I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network, recording this podcast on Martin Luther King Day. Um, Hopefully we all can remember to be uh, nice and kind to everyone. Love your neighbors, even if they don't love you back. That's a good way to live. Anyways, um, Gabby, let's start here. You were feeling awful on friday how you feeling yeah. today let's just feel, start there i feel fantastic i feel i'm back i feel re-energized rejuvenated and uh feel alive so that's the most important good. part <laughs> good good so let's jump into it um let's start with high school recruiting right and and i don't necessarily even want to start with the official visitors um that were at um over the weekend because we got to start with the headliner um probably for the rest of this cycle as it closes out on that first Wednesday in February, the traditional national signing day, that is five-star defensive lineman, Shamar Stewart, right? He took an unofficial visit to Miami uh, on Saturday, I believe. He was there just one day, right? Yeah, he was just there on on Saturday morning, it feels like. Just hanging out. Yeah, just hanging out with, uh, you know, getting more FaceTime with Mario Cristobal, Joe Salavea, and the crew. And uh, sounds like things went well, Gabby. Yeah, man. I mean, just everything coming out of it. I know he told Andrew Ivins, um, you know, our 24-7 sports guy and Through the Smoke alum, that it was his best visit to Miami yet. I think that says a lot, man. I mean, we've talked about here you know, a ton of just so often about how much time Shamar Stewart has spent at Miami, uh, you know, how often he was sort of around campus, uh, you know, just around the program, really, even, you know, dating back to the summer months in June when in-person recruiting opened back up. So, you know, for him to say that this was his his best visit yet, uh, coming on a weekend that, you know, really prior to that, he was expected to be at Texas A&M for another unofficial visit, uh, you know, just sort of all that sort of, you know, coming together uh, and end up sort of working out of Miami's favor in that way, I think is a really, really big deal, man. And uh, you know, again, this, this is the guy, you know, this is a, you know, if, right. if you're, if you're signing one guy 
in February. Um, you know, this is the guy that Miami wants. This is, you know, top number one target, priority A. Um, so to get to get those words out of his mouth are, you know, you know, and he means those things too. He doesn't just, he's not that guy that's sort of like talking to talk. And, you know, when he says something like, oh, it was my best visit to Miami yet, like that's something that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm believing because he's, he's the type of guy that he sort of, you know, speaks. I mean, with me, at least he's always been honest. So, um, you know, I think that that's huge for Miami. Yeah. So just obviously five-star top 10 guy in the country. Let's just say hypothetically, right. He committed to Miami today. Um, that commitment would jump Miami up in the team rankings from number 36 in the country to number 22. So um, he would give Miami a shot at a top 20 class, uh, assuming they would add more guys in addition to him, which is crazy to, to say, right? Considering Miami was what, 68th, 8th in the country <laughs> when November. Um, so again, that's the Mario Cristobal impact. We've already seen it with three top 100 recruits uh, signed. Um, and Cyrus Moss, Nigel e. Kelly, Jaleel Skinner, all three of those guys were not even in play for Miami during the Manny Diaz era. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, it, it, it sounds like everything is trending in the right direction, right? Gabby, um, again, plenty of time. There's going to be more twists and turns. That's just how it goes with five stars, especially, you know, uh, after the early signing period, because Shamar is one of the best prospects still available in the country. Right. Um, but I want to ask, you know, how close are you to putting in a crystal ball? Is your finger on the trigger or do you, are you still kind of practicing a little patience because this week he's going to Georgia Yeah, might be worth seeing how that visit goes, the shakeout from that. And then the following weekend, you know, the last weekend before National Signing Day, he is taking that trip to Miami. So, you know, right now the crystal ball is on Texas A&M. Um, how close are you to maybe firing in a Miami crystal ball? Yeah, I mean, honestly, how things stand right now, like, you know, let's say the, the slate was completely clean, um, you know, just sort of reading the tea leaves from this month, like, again, I mean, if I were putting one in right now, it would probably be on Miami. Like I think Miami has the momentum in the recruitment right now. Am I going to do it? Um, I, I'm not sure if I'm there yet, just because again, there's still a little, a little bit of time. He is going to get to Georgia and, you know, I do think Georgia is a player, but I really feel like it might be just be a two team race between Texas A&M and, and Miami. Again, let's see how this Georgia visit goes. They just won a national championship, but I'm not sure, sure that three, four, um, you know, sort of, you know, scheme is exactly what he's looking for. Um, I do think he's intrigued by Georgia for a multitude of other reasons, but I think, uh, you know, what Miami and what Texas A&M sort of run on defense, I think is probably more of his cup of tea. So that's why I feel like, you know, I, I, if he doesn't get back to Texas A&M before he officially visits Miami, because that would be the last weekend they can get anywhere, I think I would feel better, uh, you know, moving my crystal ball over. But if, let's say, he still finds a way to get back to College Station, Let's not forget that Jimbo Fisher still has an in-home visit in his back pocket. Um, sure. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not ready to just completely, you know, write off the Aggies. Um, you know, I would still probably peg them as a favorite, but, you know, I'm feeling good about what Miami's doing right now. And I think if you're a Miami fan, 
Um, I think you could start creeping towards like, you know, maybe being cautiously optimistic that, you know, Mario sure. Cristobal is able to come through with this and, and really land this one because, uh, you know, it, it feels like it's trending in that direction a little bit. Let's transition now to the two guys that did make it in for official visits this weekend. Um, four-star offensive lineman, Dave Ayuli, um, interior offensive lineman from the state of Washington, former Oregon commit, uh, was committed to Mario Cristobal when he was still the coach there, and three-star offensive lineman out of St. Augustine, Florida, Matthew McCoy, more of an offensive tackle body type, more of a developmental guy, which is not a problem at at offensive line, right? That's a developmental position. Uh, But he does have some intriguing athletic and and body type traits uh, to develop. So uh, two offensive linemen made it in this weekend on official visits. What are you hearing? What's the buzz coming out of Miami from those visits? Yeah, again, you got to feel good about where Dave Uli stands and just how that sort of visit went. I think he was really looking forward to it. I think Miami lived up to it. I think Miami met probably surpassed every expectation. I mean, you saw the clips. If you haven't seen him yet, he posted a clip on Twitter of him, you know, just like dancing in the little photo shoot area that they do. They did a little video for him. Uh, He just seems really energized, really jacked up to be there. And, you know, just sort of talking to people in the building. It felt like he had a really good time. Uh, I think coming into the visit again, I know we talked about it on the podcast on Friday, um, but it felt like this visit was almost like a confirmation for him to see if this is where he wanted to be. Mario Cristobal, Alex Mirabal, those are his guys. I think that this meeting, you know, this official visit probably just, you know, maybe, you know, solidified things there. Again, uh, he wanted to make a commitment at the Polynesian Bowl this weekend, which he's, he's already at. I mean, if you're kind of reading the tea leaves there, I think it would have meant that he probably would have wanted to pick Miami coming off that visit. But he's not going to do it there. He's going to go visit Oregon, uh, USC. But, I mean, I think right now you have to be feeling like Miami's a favorite. I know people in Coral Gables feel really good there. Um, with Matthew McCoy, again, the, just getting him back for that second official visit, having him, you know, meet with the new staff and all that stuff, I'm told went really, really well. Um, you know, I think that there is still some concern about Florida. I think that's a team that's viewed as probably the primary competition. I know people from Florida staff went to go see him on Monday. And, uh, you know, they could be the last ones to get him on campus for an official visit. So I think people in, at Miami sort of have their eye at their eye on UF to see how that sort of goes. Um, but I think that they felt like they put their best foot forward in this recruitment. And they believe that, you know, what he did with Alex Mirabal in that room, uh, you know, with Mario Cristobal, you know, all those guys there just sort of going through offensive line stuff, you know, watching tape, doing all those types of things that they do on official visits. Um, that apparently went really well. And so, you know, I think that, again, you know, Miami's just kind of kind of win a recruiting battle here. But, again, I think they put themselves in a better spot than maybe they were even coming into it. And I think they still felt pretty good coming into it, too. So, you know, again, just this is just one that might just go down to the wire, uh, depending on how that final official visit weekend goes. And expected visitor defensive lineman Grayson Halton, mm-hmm. uh, Oregon commit defensive lineman, at, four-star guy out of San Diego, did not make it in. What, what's the situation there? Yeah, so from what I understand, um, you know, he Grayson Halton is an Oregon commit. Um, I was told that, you know, that first day of the contact period, a lot of people from Oregon staff, I think including Dan Lanning, made their way down to San Diego to meet with uh, Jalil Florence, who was another cornerback we expected at one point before he canceled the official visit. Grayson Halton was also a part of that group too. 
So, um, you know, I think that, you know, because they were going to go meet with them, I think they, they essentially convinced those. I don't know if it was both those guys. I know, I don't know if I want to include Jalil Florence in this, but I know Grayson Halton wanted to meet with the Oregon staff on that Friday that basically, you know, either pushed back or Miami as an, as a potential official visit spot. So, um, you know, that was part of, that was, I believe the main reason why, uh, Grayson Halton didn't officially visit this week. And I talked to someone at his high school they said that he thought about maybe officially visiting the following weekend. The only problem with that is that that is Miami's elite prospect day. I was told right. Miami won't host official visitors uh, next weekend. I guess they could host one. I think they floated around the idea of maybe hosting one. And if Grayson Halton really wants to come, I'm assuming that maybe they squeeze him in there. But I'm not sure if that's the direction that they want to go quite yet. So I think we still have to get some clarity on that. Yeah, that'll be a busy weekend. We'll, we'll get into that here more in a little bit but lots of big time 2023s expected in um let's talk about a a guy who is visiting miami as we speak on an unofficial visit jack pyburn uh coming off an an official visit from auburn over the weekend wanted to shoot down to miami he's a three-star guy at a jacksonville bulls um wrestling guy you've heard us talk about him here on the podcast in the past um has there been any buzz about pyburn i mean again it's still ongoing uh, but are you hearing anything about that as it's currently going on gabby yeah no, i haven't really heard much about it um you know i think he gets out he's gonna be finishing up on campus here soon hopefully i'm able to catch up with him but uh, again i know he's i know he's someone miami really likes and again just talking about trenches and all those things that we've talked about in the past, David, I think he's someone that they really like. They're not bringing him in here just to bring him in here. Um, so, you know, I think that this is a dude that they're, that they're pretty, pretty high on. The thing I'm curious about, Gabby, if you can find out uh, from your contacts at Miami, what does he measure in at? I'm just yeah. wondering, you know, if he is a legit six, three and a half, you know, 265, yeah. 260, yeah. 255. I'm curious what the feedback would be on that. Um, last thing I want to touch on in terms of high school recruiting in the 2022 class, uh, running back, four-star running back, Travante Citizen out of Louisiana, a former LSU commit, uh, is planning to visit Miami on January 28th, the final weekend leading up to National Signing Day. Um, same weekend, Shamar Stewart and others uh, will be visiting Miami. Others such as R. Mason Thomas, local edge rusher, Ahmad Moten, local D-tackle, and Kristen Miller, a four-star defensive lineman out of the state of Georgia. Josh Connerly, I believe, is coming that weekend to the five-star offensive lineman out of okay. Seattle. So that's another one that should be there that, that last official visit weekend. Big weekend. Um, what do we make of citizen? Cause I know it was kind of a situation where it's like, yeah, he's talking about Miami, but is he really that serious about visiting? Uh, what do we make of this visit? Yeah, I'm not hundred percent sure what to make of it at this point. Um, I think it's good that you get him on campus. I mean, just when you consider wanting to add a, a high school running back, I think he's sort of one of the best available on the board right now. Um, you know, again, I think he, I could see him probably ending up somewhere in the SEC, whether that's Auburn. I think Florida's after him too. I think like schools like Michigan State are after him as well. But 
again, uh, we've seen what happens when Miami gets guys on campus. And if this is a guy that they really, really want, especially, I know we're going to get into this too, but even after adding a transfer running back uh, into the room. So it's going to, I think uh, I'm wondering how that sort of looks now, you know, with the, with the addition of of Henry Parrish and and those types of things. That's fair. A little more crowded running back room than when he set that visit. So maybe that changes things there. Um, before we take a break and, and we'll devote a podcast later in the week to this, but it is elite prospect day week, right? This weekend, um, a ton of 2023s are, are planning to descend on Coral Gables. And, uh, it's quite an impressive list, Gabby. You've put together a VIP list already on the website going through, you know, who's planning to be there. I'm sure that list will grow um, between now and Saturday. But I want you to highlight, um, because I think our podcast is familiar with most of the local guys um, that are planning to be there. I want you to highlight some of the out-of-state big-time players that are planning to be there, because it's it's quite an impressive bunch um, coming from all different areas of the country. So tell us some of the guys from out of state that the Hurricanes fans should know about. Yeah, I mean, I think you got to start off with the first one. I mean, just probably the biggest out of state name that's coming. That's Jaden Wayne. He's the five star defensive lineman out of Washington. He has actually been to Miami before he was at he was at Paradise Camp um, earlier, I guess, over the summer. So, you know, he's, he's, he's a massive, definitely a massive name to know. Um, not really out of state, but he's from out of state. He plays at IMG Academy. I'm going to count him as an out of state guy because I don't think he's someone I wouldn't definitely wouldn't consider him local. Uh, sure. Samuel M. Pemba, he's originally a St. Louis native, um, really close friends with Jalil Skinner. Um, you know, I think that he's someone that, you know, Miami fans should be really, really excited that he's going to be there. Uh, uh, just a, another tight end type, uh, Mac Markway. Again, another kid from St. Louis, six foot four you know, top five, top six tight end in the country. He's a former Florida commit. So, you know, 6'4", 250 pounds. Another big time tight end, Riley Williams out of the Portland area, number three ranked tight end, um, 6'6", 230. I mean, there's Monroe Freeling, who's from the South Carolina area, top 247 offensive lineman that, uh, you know, Miami already went to go see on, I believe it was, it was on Friday that they had Cody Woodiel who's a, you know, defensive, uh, offensive analyst that was in South Carolina to see Monroe Freeling. You got, you know, top two for seven tight end Jackson Howard, um, really a bunch of dudes. You know, there's a lot of big time guys coming from out of state. Uh, I'm sure we're going to dive into it more, but, you know, there's sure. a big, a big group of local guys, you know, guys from, you know, Orlando South, really. Um, and then there's just a definitely a huge group of out of towners, uh, out of state guys that are coming in that, you know, Miami fans are definitely going to want to read up more about, just kind of get to know. Again, we have that running list on the site, and, you know, you can go through all those names, all those different types of dudes that are all coming down here. Uh, there, there's more. It's not just those guys. Just highlighted some of the, the top names that you guys are probably going to want to know of guys that are coming in. Definitely. Gabby will be all over it all weekend, and uh, it's it's crazy just how how many elite guys this, this event yeah. is already attracting. Um, so again, I, I, this 2023 cycle is going to be fun to follow. I would recommend if, if you guys are interested or intrigued by recruiting now that Mario Cristobal is the head coach, um, 
jump in, go VIP at insidetheu.com because Gabby does a great job covering all of that. Um, so let's take a break, Gabby, on that. And on the other side, we will get into some transfer portal additions Miami added to the roster over the weekend. And just in general, where things stand with some of their transfer portal targets that Miami has been looking at. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, we are back. Gabby, uh, Miami added two guys on the offensive side of the ball via the transfer portal. Um, I feel like you've been hinting at Frank Ladson coming now for what, like a month? I feel like, yeah. you know, it's, just it's before Christmas. Yeah. yeah. So uh, he went official, what, on Saturday? And Ole Miss running back, which, you know, you hinted at along with our colleague Chris Stock on Thursday when he entered the portal that there was a good chance he would transfer to Miami as well. He officially committed to Miami on Sunday. So let's start with Latson, um, top 50 recruit coming out of the uh, 2019 class, I believe. Um, didn't quite live up to that billing from a production standpoint during his time at Clemson, uh, but it should be noted, right, that he, he's he been dealing with, you know, nagging injuries. He's he's kind of been an injury-plagued guy um, at Clemson. So a little bit of bad luck there for Frank. Um, so transfer portal has is a fresh opportunity for him, right? Go to Miami. Miami has a good quarterback now. I know as a high school recruit, right? Latson was legitimately interested in Miami, but it was important to him to go play where a school had good quarterback play, right? Good quarterbacks. And uh, of course, Trevor Lawrence being at Clemson, that was an easy pick for him. Um, but now it's interesting how, uh, what, three or four years later, Miami's quarterback situation is more attractive with Tyler Van Dyke rather than what year two of, of the DJ Uyunglele era. Um, so I'm rambling, but uh, what do you think Frank Latson adds to the wide receiver room? Yeah. You know, um, you know, I feel like a lot of people are maybe looking at the young wide receivers, just looking as looking at them as guys that maybe need to take that next step. Um, I just think he adds just, you know, another veteran body, you know, I feel like that's been, that's, that's been a positive, for the wide receiver room over the past, you know, few years, 
you know, you consider what what KJ Osborne did for, you know, just a receiver room. He elevated the room. Um, you know, the next year, even he sort of helped Mike Harley sort of be that leader, that leader type. You know, last year with Charleston Rambo, we saw him come in as a transfer and, you know, he made the receiver room better. So I think Frank Ladson's just another guy that, you know, he just he just adds some he just adds, you know, that veteran presence, a guy that's played in big games. Um, again, a guy that's kind of on a mission, you know, guys coming in with something to prove. I think Frank Ladson has a lot to prove. Um, so I think it's an opportunity for, you know, Miami to potentially add. Um, you know, I don't think anyone saw Charleston Rambo maybe being the number one wide receiver for Miami when he came in, but the potential was there. I feel like Frank Ladson, if he's healthy, you know, potentially a number one wide receiver, um, a guy that can, you know, that again, big six, three, 200 pounds, uh, you know, again, David, we've talked about how there's not a lot of those on the roster. So I think right. he brings something different, uh, a different dynamic. Again, a guy that's played a lot of big games, a lot of big time football, uh, you know, at a program like Clemson's played in the college football playoff game, similarly to Rambo that he played in the college football playoff game. Um, so, you know, I'm excited about just uh, really the experience he brings in and the opportunity to, again, have to prove himself. It's not like we're just – he's not just a guy they're throwing into the room. He's a guy that needs to come in and work to show that he is a guy that can contribute. So I think that, that – I think, again, if he stays healthy, that elevates him too and it makes the room better. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a fair way to look at it. Um, am I convinced he will definitely be a starter? I'm not. I think he, he – most likely will be. Um, but again, he's going to have to go out and beat out like a Romello Brinson, right? Sure. Who I, I think is uh, very talented in his own right. Um, who, who do you feel like Latson maybe compares to from a, like a Miami Hurricanes comparison perspective? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I'm not good at, I'm not like super good at player comps yet. Like, I think I'm still working on that, but I mean, maybe like, a again, I think if, if he comes together and if he's healthy, I mean, maybe the ceiling could be like, maybe like an Alan Hearns ish type, you know, okay. like guys that like, you know, can grow. I know Frank Ladson had some, had some track speed coming out of high school. I know Lad, uh, Alan Hearns was someone that could run to both six, three. I think both could potentially be, you know, red zone targets, guys that catch passes, score touchdowns um, and stuff like that for Miami. So um, you know, he hasn't been healthy enough, I guess, to draw any like major, you know, praise like that as a guy that caught for over a thousand yards at Miami. But again, sure. From just people I've talked to, he dealt with two of like the same injuries. Um, and that they believe he's a hundred percent now for the first time in like three years. And they think that if he's held, like when he's healthy, that, you know, he could be a big time player. So, I mean, just following the trends of Miami receivers, I think that he's someone that could potentially, you know, do some good things or, or have a better stint at Miami than maybe he had at his previous stop. My comp would be, and Hearns is a good one. My comp would be Tommy Streeter. Um, he's, he is, Tommy Streeter was taller, right? Yeah, six, five, uh, Latson, six, three. Latson also probably, you know, he's, he's a little thicker, um, uh, than Streeter, but I compare him to Streeter because to me, they're both kind of those big, tall, long striding, um, go route guys. Right. Um, I don't necessarily think not that they can't do it, but to me, both those guys aren't necessarily like 50, 50 ball guys. They're not going to go out and win, uh, those 50, 50 balls against corners on a consistent basis. Um, they can do it, but to me, their value is throw them a deep ball. They can run under it 
you know, when they run on, if they catch it on the run, it's an even longer game, right? Um, that's what Tommy Streeter was during his productive season. Um, I believe that was his fourth year at UM. Uh, he really didn't, I, I think his first, he was redshirted. Then his first two seasons when he was available to play after that, he caught like six passes and then he exploded his fourth year catching 46 passes for 800 yards and eight touchdowns, something like that. So, um, and I think too, if I remember right, Tommy might've been dealing with a little bit of nagging injuries here and there early in his career. So, um, I like the lats in addition. I am curious to see how it all plays out. And, and I agree with the assessment of like, look, if the guy's, if the guy is healthy, um, he should be the number one receiver. Uh, I still think he has some things to improve on in his game. Um, but the same could have been said also of Charleston Rambo and Charleston Rambo to me took his game up two or three notches, yeah. uh, during his time at Miami. So, uh, if you get that type of jump from Frank Ladson too, um, Miami is going to have a monster on their hands. I- I'm curious, um, and this is way early, right? We still got to see how yeah. all this plays out. We don't know who the OC is. Um, we haven't seen spring ball, any of this. But who do you think is going to lead Miami in receiving yards in 2022? Who's your early pick? I don't know, man. You've kind of bought me on, on Jacoby George. Like, I feel like you're kind of selling yeah. me on him. I don't know if he's your pick, but I think, I think, I think he, he could be a guy that sort of breaks out in 2022. I don't think that's crazy, right? That would be quite a jump. But yeah, man, the more I see Jacoby, to me, he's just like a smaller yeah. Amon I'm, Richards. I'm, I'm, I'm buying it a little bit. Like I'm buying the Jacoby George stuff. I, I mean, he, he made some crazy plays even in high school. Yes. And I feel like towards the end of last year, he really started to get a lot of looks. So I could see him being a guy. Again, this is super early. So I'm just yeah. throwing a name out there. Very natural receiver. Uh, he just makes things look easy. You know what I mean? Uh, snagging one-handed balls, uh, the, in that Duke game. And again, I know it's Duke, but they, uh, the one where he caught the ball turned up field and picked up like 30 more yards yeah. after the catch that reminded me so much of Amon Richards, like Amon Richards would do that on the regular when he was, when he was healthy at Miami. Yeah. Um, Amon would also like, I, I think it was app state his freshman year. Amon had a red, uh, no, he did it a bunch of times. I might be mixing it up, but anyways, like Amon would snag one handed balls too. Um, to me, like, and again, Amon is six, one, six, two. Yeah. Jacoby's five eleven six foot. So that difference does matter, but just like, I guess just the, the movement the ability movement. of both those guys is similar. Um, I don't think it's crazy. To, to put Jacoby George there. I think I'm going to go Frank. Yeah. I think I'm going to go Frank, I, you know, hoping that he's healthy. I think that would be, I think that would be a, I think that It'd would be, be good. Yeah, yeah. I think that would, I think that's probably, that would probably be like best case scenario. I think that's what you want. Right. Right. But I, honestly, there's a lot. I think, I think Romello Brinson could be in the mix. Um, I think, I mean, look, do you, okay, here's a crazy thing. Do you know who the, who the leading returning wide receiver in terms of yardage production is? For Miami? Yeah. 
Is it Restrepo? Yep. It's yeah. not Keyshawn Smith. I think a lot yeah. of people would have guessed Keyshawn. I Smith. wasn't. I wasn't going to go with Keyshawn Smith. Oh, even for like yardage leaders, I don't think he was going to be my guy. Right. So, and I don't know if it's. I'm not saying it's going to be Restrepo, but I mean, he's he was maybe sneaky productive yeah. uh, in, in a limited role. Um, and, and look, I I do think there's a little bit of a. There's still more room for growth for Keyshawn Smith, right? Um, there's no doubt he's very fast. There's no doubt he's an explosive jumper. I just think he's got to put it all together. Um, there's just something missing for that final, that last little bit that could make him special. Um, and maybe he unlocks that here because, you know, last year was his first year of really playing a significant role. So there is still room for growth there. Um, let's transition to the running back edition at, uh, in the transfer portal. Henry Parrish, um, what do you feel like he adds to the room, Gabby? I mean, I just think he just brings – I think he's a strong runner. I think – I mean, he does it – I feel like quietly is a good pass catcher as well. Didn't really score a lot of touchdowns, but he caught a, a decent amount of balls at Ole Miss. Um, again, a guy that's played in, in SEC – against SEC caliber competition, and he's been productive. I mean, he had over 500 rushing yards. is basically like the number three back but behind yep. two other good backs. Um, so, you know, I think he's someone that, you know, definitely is a, a change of pace type of guy for Miami. Um, definitely not small. Like, you know, he's, he's not a small guy. I think he's like, what he, I think he's like five ten, you know, one eighty five ish or how, how, how big is 190. he? 190. 190. You know, he's, he's, he's got, he's a guy that has a capable frame and, you know, Jalen Knight being a, you know, a little bit smaller and Don Chaney, maybe being the little bit bigger guy. Um, you know, I think he's a perfect compliment to those, to either one of those guys. And, Again, with Don Chaney, uh, you know, coming off that knee injury, I think Henry Parrish gives you a guy that could potentially give you, you know, I don't know, 15 carries a game, maybe a little bit more, depending on how the sort of situation goes. I think that he's a guy that could be a, a regular in the rotation, a guy that can help win you games for sure. Yeah, to me, he brings a different ability than the other two guys with his contact balance, right? He's I'm not necessarily going to call him a power back. Um, but he is a guy that shows the ability to pick up yards after contact, um, which, you know, that's not Jalen Knighton's game. Uh, Jalen Knighton's about speed, making you miss in space, all that stuff. Um, and I think it's to be determined with, uh, Don Chaney Jr. Um, if he necessarily has that ability, we didn't see enough of him this year. Um, but Henry Parrish to me is a guy with good vision, uh, patient can find the holes, which, you know, to me, Jalen Knighton and Don Chaney are more like one cut backs that, uh, you know, get up field in a hurry. Um, so just a different style. I'm perfectly fine with having a three running back rotation. Um, unless one of them clearly emerges as, you know, the man, um, you know, if, if that does happen, then yeah, you got to ride that horse. Um, but that position's so physical and look, if you, if you think back to this year, right. Uh, Miami was, was starting the season expecting to have a three man rotation, right. um, Cam Harris, Don Chaney, Jalen Knighton, and really, they needed all three guys. Uh, 
because, you know, we all know Jalen Knighton started the year with a suspension, missed the first month. Um, then Don Chaney was lost for the season with an ACL in game two. And then what game five or six, Cam Harris was lost for the season with an, with a leg injury too. So it's a, uh, it's a brutal position. You can't have too many bodies at that position. Um, and yeah, I mean, Henry Parrish is, is a talented guy in his own right. I'm curious, just based on pure talent, how would you rank the three guys? Based on pure talent. I mean, I think Jalen Knighton special. I think we saw that last year. I'd probably go Jalen one. Man, I just feel like when Don Chaney's on, he's good too. I mean, I, pro- I mean, just based on what we've seen and stuff, I guess I'd probably go Jalen one, Henry Parrish two, and Chaney three. I don't know if how you feel about that. I'd go Jalen one. Cheney to Parish three. Um, and really that they're all very close. I think uh, they're close in high school too, which is really cool. Right. I just think like if they're running a race, I think Jalen and Don are the f- two fastest. And I think Henry's third, right? So, uh, but Henry's game is different, right? Like I said, he's, he's kind of more about vision, patience, contact balance, who is your, do you have a UM comp for him, for Henry? I don't know. I mean, for Henry, I thought maybe like Travis Homer, like he kind of just like a guy that's just going to again sort of embrace the contact, sort of bounce off. Like I was even watching like his Columbus highlights and he just kind of like, you know, the, like a one cut guy and he's just able to make a move and definitely, definitely not shy of contact or, or anything like that. And I don't know. I don't know if that's a good comp, but I mean, he's someone that I just thought maybe. I'd go uh, Joe Yearby. Joe Yearby. I think yeah. Joe be smaller though. He is. He's smaller, like in in height, but uh, you know, 5'10, 190. Joe Yearby, I think, was 5'9, 195-ish. Yeah, um, I guess that could work. So and and they play the same way, right? Vision, patience, not necessarily the fastest guy. Um, but guys that that yeah, I guess take, Homer was really fast, right? Yeah. Yeah, Homer's pretty fast. I would probably like if you're making me compare Homer to some one of these three, I would compare him maybe to Don. Um, okay, that's fair. Not a perfect comp, but if if you're if I'm forced to make a comp to one of those three, that's who I would compare him to. But yeah, um, Parish to me, and look, Joe Yerby was a good player in his own right for oh, Miami. Oh, for sure. Uh, he ran for two thousand yards during his career. He had a thousand yard season. Um, he did. Yeah. Wow. He was, he Take started, his, he started his career, right. As Duke's backup. Then he had his thousand yard season as the lead back. And then he was the backup to, uh, Mark Walton. So, um, good complimentary back, um, which look, if Henry Parrish turns out to be Joe Yearby, that's, that's a good, that's definitely a good thing. So I bet we'll be on the same page here. Um, but who would you predict to lead Miami in rushing yards in 2022? Yeah, I'm still probably going to go with Jalen Knight. I still think he'll be the guy. Same. Yeah. Would you be surprised? You. It sounds like you would be surprised if it was Don. I would. I just, I don't know. I just feel like you have to, he has to get healthy. And I feel like he has to just show that he can stay healthy and stuff. So yeah. I feel like that's sort of just my issue with Don is like a, 
durability thing. It's not like a talent thing. Right. Because when right. he puts it together, I mean, he's special. I mean, we've seen, we've seen him break some of those runs and it's just like, yeah, like you could see it. But I think you need to see it. Like, if you can't do it every week, I mean. So if, he, right. if, he's, if Don Chaney's healthy, I'm super excited about it. I'm with you. I think Jalen will likely be the leading rusher in 2022. But honestly, it could be any, any of those three, yeah. depending and on. And that's what's exciting. Injuries. And that's, that's what I feel like is so exciting about the, like, the addition of Henry Parrish is that you know, any one of these three guys could end up being the guy or all three of you can just complement each other really well and you can just throw the freshest one in there and you're still seeing, you know, different sort of le- like the same levels of production and stuff like that with right. just their little, you know, what they are specifically good at. You know, you could sort of capitalize off their strengths individually at different parts of the game and keep them all fresh at the same time. So, again, and you get one, one gets hot and you ride the other one and then you, you have the other two you know, rested up and Jalen Knighton is sort of like a, you know, the, the joystick that you can just sort of move around everywhere. And, you know, I think right. there's a lot of exciting things that you can do with those guys. Let's move on to transfer portal targets. Um, and we don't have to talk too much, just like, and maybe there isn't necessarily anything new going on there, but uh, maybe just some quick hitter updates on these guys. Let's start with cornerback DJ James. Yeah, DJ James committed to Auburn. Um, I kind of hinted on the message board that that was probably the most likely scenario. Even while he was on his official visit, it still felt like Auburn was probably where he wanted to be. Um, that was just talking to people, you know, well, first reading the tea leaves that he had visited Auburn previously, and then just talking to people that are both familiar with DJ James and, you know, just people familiar with what the situation was. Felt like Auburn was probably always going to be the landing spot there with, with him. Antonio Moultrie. Yeah, I think it was notable that he didn't commit to Miami coming off that official visit. Um, again, just talked to someone in his camp and they said that, you know, kind of hoped that Miami was going to be the spot. And, you know, if everything went well, that they could probably, you know, wrap things up there. I'm not sure what other visits he's going to take. Um, not sure what else is going on there, but I do think it's pretty notable that, you know, he hasn't, that he just didn't commit to Miami yet or you- hasn't committed anywhere. This is just me speculating, right? Do you think there's any disconnect between, like, it sounds like Miami prefers him as an interior guy, but he played, like, which he played early on at UAB, right? But then this past year, he dropped a ton of weight and played on the edge. Do you think he'd prefer to play on the edge or or is that not an issue you don't think? It could be, it could be, it could be one of the, it could be something that maybe they wanted him to be more of a, of a, of, you know, of an edge guy or anything like that in Miami. I know Miami sees him more as an interior guy. And if he wants to be more of a pass rusher or just outside type of guy like that, um, I'm not sure if that's something Miami really expects from him or, or wants from him in that right. role. So, I mean, that could be a part of the disconnect. How about Tyler Steen, who is a, a offensive tackle starter. He started at left tackle mainly for Vanderbilt. Um, he went to St. Thomas Aquinas, right, Gabby? Yeah, he played at St. Thomas Aquinas, and he made. He, I mean, he played a ton of football at Vanderbilt. Um, I know Miami's still working on that. I know that's. I know he's someone that they're definitely interested in. Um, definitely someone they're trying to, you know, figure something out with. Whether it's get him on campus for an official visit or whatever it is, or they're just communicating with him. I know that he's someone that they definitely like. And there's a new linebacker on the radar. Tell us what's going on there. 
Yeah, that's a uh, Louisiana Lafayette uh, linebacker, Lorenzo McCaskill. Um, you know, at, at one point, like, you know, coming out of high school, I think he was considering Ole Miss. Uh, he was committed to Cincinnati at one point. He ended up going Juco, um, you know, then became a two-time all-conference linebacker at Louisiana. He just entered the, tra the transfer portal. He was the team's leading tackler. Uh, again, this is Billy Napier's Louisiana. So, you know, if Florida gets involved, I think that would be notable. Uh, but I know Miami's – I don't think Miami's offered yet, but I think that they have expressed interest. I think uh, USC and Missouri have already offered. So uh, watch out to see if Miami actually pulls the trigger on the offer – on an offer because I think he's someone that they're doing their homework on. Six-foot, 223 linebacker, 83 tackles in 2020, yep. 84 tackles in 2021. So um, – kind of proven production there. And then I'm curious, is there anything on Latavius Brini? Anything new there? I don't know. I'm not sure if there's anything new. I know he officially hit the portal today. Um, so I think that means that he could, that his, he could actually contact him. Schools are actually free to contact him because you can say you're entering the portal and I don't think you can actually be contacted until you're officially in the portal. So I know as of Monday afternoon, he's officially in the portal. I do expect Miami to, to, you know, contact him and to see what they can work out there. Again, you sort of seen trends in the transfer portal in terms of, you know, guys going home to the areas that they're from. We saw it with Jason Jones and DJ James to Auburn, both of them from Alabama. We've seen that with Miami, with Jake Lichtenstein, Frank Ladson, and Henry Parrish, all from South Florida. Latavius Brini, Hialeah Matter Academy. So, um, you know, I think this is a guy that, you know, Miami might try to attack in the portal. Again, big nickelback, uh, you know, for Miami fans, maybe more of a striker. So we think in that sort of role, again, we don't know what the new defense is exactly going to look like, but, you know, it can be maybe be like a star, one of those types of guys that, uh, you know, moves around or, you know, just sort of works in slot. Any other transfer guys that I missed, or is that all we need to touch on now? I mean, that's basically it. I think one more intriguing name is Lee Hunter. He's a, you know, former top hundred defensive lineman out of Auburn. He signed in the 2021 class. He's a true freshman. 6'5", like 290. Uh, Auburn's defensive line coach, I believe, just left to Clemson. So Lee Hunter decided to enter the portal. Um, I mean, this is a big dude. Again, just former top 100 recruit, a big guy, defensive lineman. Um, I'm not, I think Miami's definitely intrigued. It's going to be interesting to see if they can actually get involved or where he sort of ends up. But I think he's probably a name that's worth at least keeping in mind is, uh, is Lee Hunter. Cool. Uh, let's talk NIL. Because uh, late, what, Sunday night, early Monday morning, uh, some interesting announcements were made in terms of Miami players signing deals with uh, John Ruiz's company, Life Wallet, right? Um, very generous amounts, right? They, they basically named 10-ish. Uh, Miami Hurricane football players and what their deals will be worth. Um, and it was kind of validated by uh, first round management, who's a local agency uh, for football, MMA, et cetera. And uh, the Rosenhaus Sports Group um, also said, yeah, we represent these players. And this is big time, blah, blah, blah. So uh, just running over some of the guys, what they're getting. Tyler Van Dyke, 50K. Leonard Taylor, 50K. Gilbert Frierson, 50K. 
James Williams, 42, Cam Kitchens, 42, you know, Romelo Brinson, 36. So um, different levels of deals, Zion Nelson, 42. Um, and John Ruiz and, and his family have, have kind of made it clear on Twitter that they've set aside $10 million uh, for NIL deals. Um, you know, look, I know there's a lot of skepticism around the Ruiz family. And I think that's fine. Uh, I think there should always be skepticism with, you know, new stuff like this, right? Uh, this is all kind of coming out of nowhere, but the way that the Ruiz family can prove themselves is, uh, action, right? And, and so it looks like that, uh, this action is happening, um, and it's really cool to see, Gabby. What's what's kind of your takeaway by the latest on this NIL front? Yeah, I mean, I feel like we talked about it, you know, one of these podcasts. Maybe it was like the one of the signing day ones of just like, you know, you need you'd like to see someone from Miami sort of step up and, you know, sort of. We're talking about the Texas that every offensive lineman gets fifty thousand dollars, right? And right. Uh, you know, some of these other NIL deals that we've seen across the country. Like, I think Miami you know, has someone that's willing to front put up some money to get, uh, you know, you know, obviously, you know, real money. That's like, that's like legitimate money that these kids are making. Um, you know, even some of the smaller ones the 36, even $30,000 that like Don Chaney got, like, you know, that's, that's something that matters. You know, I think I, I'm assuming, I think I saw, and, uh, Andres Borgales got one too. I mean, just in that, yeah, there's group more alone, coming. Yeah. Just in that group alone, that's over $500,000 worth of NIL money you know, being poured into, you know, the football players at the University of Miami. So, you know, from uh, when you're a recruit and you're seeing, hey, every foot, like, right. you know, football players are making X amount. And then these guys, you know, the top performers are getting X amount. You know, I can come in here and play as a top recruit and know that I'm going to make at least this. And, you know, I think it's a, you know, it's a, it's a part of the way that the sport's going. And uh, I think it's good that Miami's sort of at the forefront of this in terms of just actually being able to get money into their players' pockets. So again, uh, you know, I think it's a, uh, I think it's great. I think it works. And, you know, again, hope again, it, it's just about action. It's just about people are going to, it's going to be met with skepticism. Uh, people are going to have their opinions and people are going to say what they're going to say. But again, the way that, you know, the Ruiz is sort of dispel all of that is just by doing it and just, you know, continuing right. to do it and do it for the right reasons and all those types of things. And as long as that maintains, then, you know, this is going to be, a big win for the university of Miami and those athletes. And, and it is, I think it is smart by the way, to put the number of the deals out there. Um, for sure. And, and why do I say that? Because look, technically due to state of Florida rules and all that stuff, uh, NIL cannot be used as a recruiting inducement. Right. Um, but how you can use it, in recruiting is you just say, Hey, five-star defensive lineman from Dade County, um, whose name <laughs> might be Shamar Stewart. Um, <laughs> look, we can't promise you anything, but I mean, look at this article and, you know, you know, look at what these agents are tweeting about. Uh, we pay our players $50,000, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, that's how you can speak to recruits via NIL, right? You can't necessarily agree to anything, um, before they are UM students, 
because of the way that the rules are structured now, but you know, you can speak to them through the media. Um, and so that's why I think it's smart to put the numbers out there like this. Um, and yeah, like you said, hopefully everything is just handled the right way. Hopefully everything is, is legit and followed through. And uh, if that is the case, it's not going to take Miami long to uh, stack elite talent because uh, as we all know, who wouldn't want to live in Miami? Um, yeah. Let's move on to some coaching updates. We don't really have much in terms of like names. No. Um, but first, Gabby, let's start with uh, a member of the current UM coaching staff. I mean, we've discussed it many times here on the podcast and on the website. Um, you know, it's a situation that's up in the air, right? Uh, we've made it clear that Alabama and Georgia are teams to watch for Travaris Robinson. We've made it clear that Travaris Robinson, you know, the plan is to stay at Miami unless he gets straight up offered a job at Alabama or Georgia, right? There aren't many programs that would be considered an upgrade for Miami for T-Rob to jump to, but I think it's fair to say as things stand right now, um, that's, that's a situation he'd have to explore and, and potentially jump at. So I know you've done some digging on that. What's, what's kind of the latest on your understanding on that situation? Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling like Alabama might be the bigger threat right now. Um, you know, I think that he's a guy that, uh, that, that Travis Robinson is, is a guy that Nick Saban wants. Uh, you know, Jay Valai, I think his name is, just left to Oklahoma. There right. is an opening on that Alabama staff. I think, um, you know, I'm not sure if T-Rob is maybe candidate. I, I'm not sure I, he could be the top candidate, but I know he is a candidate for the Alabama job. And, you know, from what I understand, he has a, he has a decision to make. So uh, I think it's very possible that he has a standing offer from Alabama. Again, I'm not sure that that's like a guarantee, but I, I was told that, you know, T-Rob has sure. a decision to make. So um, for whatever that's worth, I know Nick Saban sort of coming after him and um, you know, again, it's Alabama. So T-Rob is a career uh, SEC guy. Uh, you know, obviously Miami is his home, his hometown, but I don't know. I'm not sure how much time he's actually spent down here uh, other than his stint at Miami uh, or his time now at Miami. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. I do think that there's a chance that he stays, but um, you know, turning down Alabama is never easy, um, especially from a coach. Sure. We've seen how that leads to success and how quickly some of those coaches end up climbing the ladder in terms of, you know, maybe even becoming head coaches themselves one day, defensive coordinators, all those types of good things. So, um, just kind of got to continue to monitor that T-Rob situation. And you wrote an update Friday um, about, you know, how Mario Cristobal is going to be patient, right, with hiring his coordinators in particular. Um, what's, what's your sense on that? Is, is it fair to say maybe, you know, offensive coordinator, he's going to give NFL guys a really strong look and, and wait for that? carousel to play out um however long that takes at the nfl level dc um maybe might end up being college guys is that fair to say 
Yes, I, I think that's. I think it's definitely a possibility. Um, you know, I do feel like again, probably on defense, they might be a little bit closer. Uh, does that mean that there's probably a college guy they like? I would probably say yeah, but I just think at this point, it's just you might as well wait and see what else is going to be out there. I think again, priority right now is going to be recruiting. So I think that this only delays the process a little bit more. So yeah. with the process, you know, with, again, with the focus being on just the, the talent acquisition portion of this, um, you know, I think it's going to basically allow the timeline to go t- to get to a point where, you know, a week, two weeks of the playoffs basically go through. And then there's going to be, you know, again, more coach, uh, just a larger pool of coaches, you know, from the NFL and stuff like that. So um, I just think we're at a point where it's just sort of wait and see what happens and, you know, let's see what it looks like maybe even after signing day. I wouldn't be surprised if, like, Miami does not have at least specifically an offensive coordinator. Um, you know, if it goes that long, I wouldn't be, like, shocked. I'm not saying it will go that long, but I, I wouldn't be, like, totally, like, oh, my gosh. Like, I can't believe this. Stunned if we're, you know, sitting here on February 2nd and Miami doesn't have an offensive coordinator. He hired Andy Avalos at Oregon as his defensive coordinator. Um, on February 25th or something like that, right? So almost a full month after signing day. Um, and I've, I've written on the website, you know, just Mario Cristobal's process of interviewing coordinators. He puts them through a grueling interview yeah. process. It's you know, I've been, of a- <laughs> <laughs> I've been told it's like five hours long. Uh, they watch film together. He pokes holes in the film. He really, you know, puts these guys' feet to the fire, see, how's they, see how they handle it. Um, he also wants to know that they're going to be willing recruiters, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, you're right. Like, if, if the focus now is on recruiting, um, just knowing his interview process, that doesn't leave much time in the day to do both. Um, and, yeah, I mean, look, I, I agree with – particularly at offensive coordinator. I agree with letting the NFL uh, carousel play out because there are some intriguing names um, at the NFL level that Mario should give a strong look to, I think. Do Do you have any that like really stand out to you? You know who I really like is uh, I like Brian Johnson. Yeah the Eagles quarterback coach. Uh, He was Dan Mullen's offensive coordinator um, at Mississippi State and Florida. He was also the offensive coordinator at Utah prior to that. I think he was the OC there when he was like 24 years old or something. Um, But he's considered like a big time rising star. Um, I assume he would want, you know, he wants to be, a play caller, right? So that's probably the next step in his career. Um, does he want to come back down to college? I don't know. I don't, I don't get the sense that he's a guy that's like anti-college. Um, and in fact, he was kind of known as like a, a pretty good recruiter um, when he was recruiting quarterbacks for Dan Mullen. Uh, so I'm intrigued by that one. You know, I think the Dan Mullen offense would, would also kind of fit what Mario Cristobal is interested in, you know, Dan Mullen ran a balanced offense. Um, He showed the ability to uh, build the attack around the strengths of his personnel. 
whether it's a running quarterback or a passing quarterback. So I like Brian Johnson. There's more. I mean, obviously, Ken Dorsey, um, you know, yeah. if Ken Dorsey doesn't get a play calling. After that uh, demolishing of the Patriots, I'm, I, think, I think Ken Dorsey's coaching his way out of, like, that range. Yeah, I mean, the, understa- the, the feeling there is he wants to stay at the NFL level, right? Yeah. Um, and he thinks he can get an OC job soon, which I think is, is probably correct. So, I mean, that would be a lot of fun. Um, Definitely would be. Any names you like at the NFL level? I mean, I think <laughs> I don't I don't know how like prepared I am to say this, but uh, I mean, I think Spencer Whipple, man. I mean, I'm just like the Cliff Kingsbury Intriguing. offense is. I mean, just that Arizona Cardinals Cliff King, Kingsbury sort of tree. Um, you know, him being a part of that and all that stuff and understanding it again. If you're looking to go, if you're this is like assuming Miami stays spread high high up tempo, which I'm not certain that they do. But I mean, he's so. And I'll say this: like his dad. Well, I don't know. Like when when his dad was at Miami, they ran a pretty balanced offense. At Pittsburgh, I mean, and you could. I feel like he 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 opened it up. He did, but you could also say like they didn't really have great backs, so maybe he was playing to the strengths of his personnel. Um, Which yeah, I mean, you could argue like Spencer, you know, might be on that Joe Brady trajectory right um like wide receiver ish coach that yeah. you know can dial it up yeah well, he like did just dial it up he did call plays in a game you saw that yeah and, they, and it was it was they were on point weren't they yeah when, when kingsbury was down with covid for a game this year he had uh, Spencer Whipple call plays for that and game. That's notable to me. Like if right. Cliff is if Cliff is asking this guy to call plays, like I'm, I'm sort of about that. Yeah. No, I'm intrigued. I by just him hear, too. I just I just say this the name Spencer Whipple, and I just think of like Spencer Whipple, and I'm just like no, but then I'm then I have like my head that's telling me yes, and I'm just like all right. No, I like it. I like. I mean, I, I think it'd be a a cool hire. Um, not the Miami quarterback people were hope would be hoping to hire, but <laughs> right, it does make me feel old. I also, you know, there's uh, you know Joe Brady's still out there, right? I mean, let's still say, let's just say Joe Brady doesn't get a, an NFL OC opportunity like he expects. Um, Mario isn't against like circling back around on guys too. I think. Um, so, and there's probably more out there um, that we aren't talking about now that would be good fits. Um, so, uh, news never stops. It's that time of year. Um, we will have another podcast here diving in at a deeper level on the uh, Elite Prospect Day this weekend. Probably run that podcast maybe Thursday afternoonish. Um, and we, we might even have a subscription. Maybe <laughs> that weekend. So, um, big day ahead. Elite prospect day. Tons of talent descending on Coral Gables. Appreciate everyone listening. Uh, hopefully, everyone's enjoying themselves on this long weekend. And until uh, next time, take care.
CBS Friday. TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. You speak. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.